This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. And now, on with the show. Hey everyone, welcome to... We're watching here! We're watching here! This is Opinionated Movie Talk with Chris and Perry. My name is Chris Williams. With me, he is the Neo to my Morpheus, Perry Seibert. How are you doing today, Perry? Whoa. <laughs> That's really good. Thank you. Thank you. Very very good, Keanu. Um, so, little inside baseball today. What are we doing today? We just started our Robert Altman series last month. Go back and listen to that episode on MASH if you have not done that already. Um, but we're going to take a little break. Um, just what's going on. It's the holidays. Perry has been watching movies all the last few weeks. I've been watching movies. We have family things. So we figured the best thing to do to close out the year is you're going to get two episodes in December that are going to be covering some new releases, a couple old releases, just talking about things we've been watching lately. Um, a nice way to close out the year. We have a really fun episode we're planning for early January, and then we'll get back into Altman at the end of January. Perry, did I get that all up right? I think that's absolutely correct. All right. Awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, you, you doing good, man? I am. Uh, life is good. It's awards movie season, so the good stuff is out there. There are films I am super eager to talk about with you. Yeah, you and uh, you and the Detroit Film Critics just did your list last week, I believe. Or no, was it the beginning of this week? Uh, this this was week, Monday. The Monday the award the winners were announced. Uh, nominees were announced last Friday. I was really shocked because I was having a good time watching all the winners come in on Twitter, and then I found that the best picture pick was a movie I didn't even know existed. Um, <laughs> I did not know Joe Wright was doing a musical of Cyrano de Bergerac. Yes, he um, did, and that it's apparently really good. Well. Enough that uh, uh, good enough that enough of the Detroit film critics seem to think so. <laughs> okay, I don't. I don't always sign off on all these winners, Chris. You're a rebel. <laughs> it's uh, it's good. I, please don't take that as a knock in the film. Uh -huh. I, I, the film is the film is good. Dinklage is spectacular. Um, I just don't think it's the best film of the year. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, and we might get into a little bit about what you think might be the best of the year a little bit in this episode. Um, but I, I'm excited. I, I saw those lists coming in. There's a few that I've got to add. I think I decided I'm not even doing my top 10 list until end of January this year. I am so behind that I feel like, okay, I'm going to spend Christmas break and those dead months of those dead weeks of January, just catching up on old stuff. And then end of January, I can do my list and you know, it, that still keeps it within the Oscar season and everything. We've covered this. The movie year ends at the Oscar telecast. As long as you do a top 10 before the Oscar telecast, it counts. That's when the movie year ends. What I was really disappointed was uh, seeing no votes for Barb and Star go to Vistel Del Mar. And then I realized that technically we would have voted for that last Oscar season. Um, where it also got looked over. Um, but I, I, I remember <laughs> casting my vote for Jamie Dornan last year um, for that movie. And uh, I, I also cast a vote for Jamie Dornan, but for an entirely different movie <laughs> last have you, year. Have you seen uh, Barb and Star? Uh, I have not. I have a very, I, I have, um, I have a limited capacity for Christian Wig. So I keep okay. thinking I should 
Um, but I just, I feel like I know what this is. And I feel like after 20 minutes, I'll have had enough. <laughs> I would say give it a shot. Cause it goes a lot weirder than I thought it was going to go. Um, I, I won't say any more, but there was an Austin Powers vibe. I got to this movie okay. um, and I quite enjoyed it. You know, it, it's not going to change the world, but <laughs> I had some nice laughs with it. Um, but today we are going to talk not, not necessarily maybe about movies that'll change the world. Maybe they will. I don't know. But we're going to talk about some things we've been watching and we're going to kick off with uh, with an older movie. Um, I'm going to start this off. Uh, I okay. recently rewatched the entire Matrix trilogy. <laughs> um, OK, yeah. Um, so I'm really excited that Matrix Resur- Resurrections is coming out uh, at the end of this month. And I'm really intrigued by what I'm seeing. And I had remembered how the trilogy ended. So I was even more surprised that they were doing a sequel because a lot of people died in the third movie. Couldn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I decided I'm going to go back and revisit these. I've been writing them up at my newsletter. Um, I rewatched, I even watched the animatrix for my first time, which was really cool. This. uh, I remember that being better than both sequels. It's an anthology of, uh, of animated shorts that kind of explore the world created by the matrix. And it, it is really interesting. I'm not a huge, huge anime person, um, but I found it really fascinating, really fun to watch. Um, and it really, it just reminds you how much imagination uh, or how much people's imaginations were gripped by that first movie, right? Mm-hmm. Like people left that movie and they're like, this can go anywhere. And there's so many things to explore and I think they they had more free reign to do some original things with that than they might have actually had with the sequels. Um, and I will just say I had not watched the sequels. Matrix Reloaded and Matrix Revolutions since 2003, since I sat in the theater and Matrix Revolutions played and those end credits came up and I screamed. What the hell was that? Uh, (laughs) um, But, you know, I wanted to watch them again before this. And I have to say, they are messes. They are gigantic messes. (laughs) But, oh, my gosh, did I have fun revisiting them and think I, I think they're better than I gave them credit for. And it might just come from the fact that we are so awash in franchises right now and everything exists only to play it safe and to build to the next entry and to go back and rewatch the matrix reloaded and watch them blow up the expectations that everyone had, take it in a weird direction, throw a cave orgy in there, which, you know, Spider-Man's not going to be doing that. That happens. Um, uh, I, I really found it fascinating. I like, I think matrix reloaded is a movie that is so ambitious that it can't hold together. Right. It is so much story, so many plots that honestly, the whole Agent Smith plot could have been uh, moved to the third movie. Um, So many ideas they're tossing at you about determinism and free will and control um, and the human capacity to love and all these big concepts they're throwing at you that it can't hold together. It, It is a mess. It is paced really really poorly like there are action sequences (laughs) that stretch for 40 minutes and then they're followed by 40 minutes of talking with a french dude in a restaurant yes Um, 
And, and with Monica can, Bellucci right there next to him. Yes. I'm fine with that. Yes. Um, and I, I kind of love Lambert Wilson as the Merovingian who is just so French. And uh, <laughs> it, it is such a mess of a movie. And yet I kind of love it um, because I love that mess. I love that ambition. Um, and again, you're not going to see Marvel do that. I, I think the Wachowskis would be really horrible with a Marvel movie. Um, because I, I don't think they'd want to make your typical franchise. And I, I like Matrix Revolutions quite a bit as well, even though I hated it on that first viewing. I was like, oh, this, is, this isn't giving me what I thought the series would give me. Some of its concepts about love I found kind of affecting. If you know where you know the work the Wachowskis have done after The Matrix, they get really sappy and really kind of saccharine sometimes. Yes, that is the true, true. It's the true, true. And, and I could, you know, when I, well, I was surprised by that in Revolutions when I first saw it. Now it made sense seeing what they've done elsewhere. Um, I, I don't love it. I, I think I really hate the fact that uh, Carrie Ann Moss is basically turned from a badass into the girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, and they completely forget that Lawrence Fishburne is in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, like it, it, there, there are some big problems, but at the same da- time I'm looking at it and going, this actually feels kind of original in a way you're not getting from movies today. So maybe it's just the fact that franchise movies today are so bad and so predictable that I liked seeing someone say, let's just blow it up. Let's take away the hero's journey. Let's, let's go, let's not give the big climactic victory that everyone wants. Let's just go weird with it. And I enjoyed that. I've never revisited the sequels. I saw each of them once in the theater when they opened. And I will never forget seeing The Matrix Reloaded at uh, the old Maidstone Theaters that were at Briarwood Mall in Ann Arbor for a period of years. It was a, those were good times, Chris. Those were good times. <laughs> uh, I remember seeing it and walking out of it and just hating it. <laughs> just think, just I, I saw no charm in the mess. I just saw a mess. And I'll confess, I don't love the first one. I like it a lot. I think it's really great. I I will not question its influence or its its effectiveness whatsoever. Uh, I just don't love it. I think it's good. Uh, and this was absolutely painful. And I remember I walked out of that movie and I walked straight into Peyton Reed's Down With Love, which I <laughs> thought was absolutely fantastic. <laughs> and everything that the second Matrix film wasn't. <laughs> and so the perfect counterbalance to it. And I've always been able to remember how much I loved <laughs> Down With Love because of how much I hated the second Matrix movie and seeing them back to back. You know, I have no interest in revisiting the sequels even before this next Matrix <laughs> film. And I will see the next Matrix film uh, only because I am fascinated that you realize who worked on the screenplay with them for this, right? Uh, it's the same person who did Cloud Atlas. It's the author of Cloud Atlas. Yeah. The yeah. book's author, uh, who's a really respected science fiction writer. So I am I, I'm a little intrigued at what they'll do. I'm I'm on board for the Keanu Sans to a degree. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with this. I, I, I'm ready to watch this again now. But no, I can't. I couldn't imagine <laughs> sitting those two again. I just can't. I cannot believe there's anything I want to go back to in those. I, I would <laughs> have thought- the only way I would go back to either one of them is if you told me instead I had to watch Jupiter Ascending. That's the only <laughs> possible way you would get me to watch one of the Matrix sequels again. <laughs> Which is a worse film than either Matrix sequel by a wide mile. And it's worse by a wide mile than any other film you can think of. I didn't even get around to that one. I, oh, I think it's awful. 
Oh my God. (laughs) That's the one that I haven't seen that the Wachowskis did. Um, I really like Speed Racer. Um, I will go to I will go to bat for aspects of Cloud Atlas. I I, I don't love it. I I think it's another, I think they make messes. Um, And there's usually something interesting I like in the mess, but I can't decide, I can't deny that they are messes. I think I've said it before on this show, Chris, the best film they ever made is Bound, the one that is without mess. (laughs) I I don't know if I've seen that. I might have to go back and Uh, check that. Oh, you've never seen Bound? Oh, Gina Gershon and Jennifer Tilly? Oh, oh, watch Bound. I will add that to the list. Oh, Bound's so good. (laughs) Bound's a tight little noir. I will have to add that. It's been on my list. I just have not, like, you know, it's been the one that's fallen through the cracks of theirs. Uh, it was, you know, but if I have to choose between watching that and Jupiter Ascending, uh, watch Bound. Bound. <laughs> <laughs> if only because there's also no Eddie Redmayne in Bound. And Eddie, I, you know, I, I, I talk a lot of shit about Eddie Redmayne. And boy, do I get to because of that movie. Oh, <laughs> that is a hideous performance. And then I, then I blame the directors for it as much as him. Like they they mm-hmm. they had to know how bad a decision this oh, was, yeah. and I don't know if it was theirs or his, but oh, whoo, <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, sir. We're gonna move on from talking about the Matrix, uh, and we're gonna start talking about some new stuff. And Perry, why don't you tell our listeners about one of the movies we've both seen, uh, which is Tick Tick Boom? As if Lin Manuel Miranda can't do enough good. He's made a great first film mm-hmm. <laughs> based on Jonathan Larson's, uh, you know, this is, I don't know what to call this. The, the original stage show was, uh, I believe it was an autobiographical uh, concert. I can't remember what the phrase is, but they, this was Jonathan Larson before doing Rent uh, wrote this show called Tick, Tick, Boom, which was, um, I mean, sort of uh, ha- uh, Hedwig of the Angry Inch style. It was a show, it was a concert at which the series of songs uh, told a very autobiographical tale about him trying to write his first unproduced musical, which he spent 10 years working on. Uh, and Lin-Manuel Miranda has taken that material and he has shown that he has watched everything that Bob Fosse has directed and absorbed it in the best possible way, not copying it, but stealing it and using what's best from that for his own purposes here. Uh, Andrew Garfield, uh, I'm not going to say he's going to win an Oscar. I'm going to tell you he deserves an Oscar for a spectacularly performance, just thunderously entertaining, thunderously charismatic. Uh, it is, he is, he is a joy <laughs> to watch in this movie. The music spectacular. Uh, the songs are great and varied. The lyrics are incredible. If you are not used to watching films with captions on, I recommend you do it for this. <laughs> because you don't want to miss any of these lyrics. Uh, it's just a fantastic experience. My only regret is that it just, it was a Netflix film, meaning it just didn't get a chance to live in theaters. I would have loved to have seen this on a big screen. And uh, I, I I wished more people had gotten the chance to see it that way. Not that it, I, not that it's diminished at all in the small screen. It's a really fantastic musical. Uh, v- really, truly Fosse inspired. It is not stage bound in the slightest. It is all over the place uh, visually in a good way. I mean, I mean, in location and in uh, the editing rhythms and in how quickly he will jump around in space and time. Uh, it's, ah, it's oh, I had a good time with this one, Chris. I did too. I, I really like this one. Um, yeah, I, I'm, 
you bring up like what can't Lin-Manuel Miranda do? And I realize there are, I, I mean, first off, I was a Hamilton like obsessive when it came out. I listened before I even saw the play. I listened to that soundtrack on repeat for a year. It was all I listened to when I wrote. Um, so I, you know, and then seeing it on stage was fantastic. Um, earlier this year, I really liked it in the Heights. Um, I, I thought that was that that was one of our first, my wife and I's first movies back into theaters. And it was really mm-hmm. just a really great time back. Um, and then this, it, it's very possible that uh, between this in the Heights and another movie we're going to talk about, my top 10 list could potentially have three movies that involved Lin-Manuel Miranda this year. (laughs) And I kind of hate that he is that talented, but (laughs) I really like, I really loved it. If um, in the Heights was kind of the big grand, you know, stereotypical kind of old fashioned musical. This is a really more kind of intimate and it feels scrappy. Like if I I don't want to say it feels, I don't want that to say it feels cheap. It feels like a passion project. It yes. feels like something someone would scrape together when they're turning 30 because they need to get it all out there, which is what the story is about. Yes. Um, I did not know anything about Jonathan Larson before before watching this. I don't even think I've seen Rent. Really? I, you, didn't yeah. know, you didn't know that he'd passed away just before Rent? I did know that. Okay. I did know I- that, but I didn't know anything about like, I, I didn't know the story of this film. I didn't know he had produced anything before Rent. Um, and, and I will say the whole time this movie's going on and there, it's about his attempts to, before his 30th birthday, get a play off the ground. And I thought throughout the whole movie that Superbia was just kind of a coded version of Rent, right? Gotcha. Like at the end, you're going to find out Superbia was the big musical that everyone loved. And no, this is this is a movie that is like that is a real concept he had, apparently, um, which is this weird sci fi type play. And it really turns it into a movie about you know, failing in a way. It, it is Absolutely. a movie about that creative drive to push and push and push and fail and push past that. Um, I, I love Andrew Garfield in this. I, I think. He just captures, I, when I turned 30, I was feeling the same way. Like 30 was a rough birthday. 40 wasn't, but uh, 30 was a rough birthday because I'm sitting there going, okay, I'm a grown up now. I don't know what I've accomplished. <laughs> I, I need to do something. I wasn't married. I didn't have kids. I had a job I didn't care much for. And so like just within the first five minutes, the first song of the movie, it captures that entire feeling to the point where I like, had to tell my wife i kind of hate how i feel attacked right now um it, and it really seen, does yeah it, it, naked yes it, it captures that excitement and that passion and the frustration and but it also wraps in some you know uh, important work about uh, information about the age crisis and how that informed his work and the compassion that that was in his work and it's really it's it's a joyful musical it's funny um i think all the all the music sequences are really well done um i love the sunday sequence um at the diner uh it's funny because i think i watched this like a week before stephen sondheim died and bradley whitford really does a good sondheim in this it's very funny but i i do think it's worth noting that sondheim himself does also make an appearance yep he does 
Okay, good. I was, yeah, I was so, hoping you, you knew that. I actually yep. caught it. I was watching it with my daughter, who's a huge musical person. And I said, Emma, that wasn't Bradley Whitford's voice. I bet that was Stephen Sondheim's voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, yeah, it's just, it's a highly enjoyable movie. The same way, I, I wish I would have seen this on the big screen. Like, yeah. It, it is a movie to see with a crowd. It's a movie to see in a crowded theater with people who are excited and enjoying it. Um, I've been listening to the soundtrack quite a bit. It's it's really fun. I, I wish it had come out when we had done the uh, episode on our favorite musicals of the 20th century, because it would probably be on that list. Yes, it would easily be on that list for me. Absolutely. And the other thing I wanted to say about it is, as much as we're talking about how exhilarating and fantastic it is, and it is, it, for me, it's it's also, it manages to deal with a topic that gets talked about a lot, which is what an artist has to recognize that they need to give up in order to achieve what they want to achieve. Mm-hmm. And it does that without making that something great. Like it's not sort of celebrating that it's not, that's not the point. That is something you are going to have to do. And it's not good. It's not easy. It's not pleasant. What it costs you to, to lead this, very artistic life is great. It's not about, it's not about being able to have it all. It's about, you have to make these decisions in your life and what is, what are you going to commit to? Uh, That I, I found very affecting. I've seen that lots of times, but I've never seen it feel like it had genuine emotional stakes quite like this, Uh, which is due to, I think both Garfield's performance and those fantastic songs. It, yeah, most movies would make it feel like the heroic sacrifice, right? And this just right. this just makes it feel like the painful sacrifice that it often is. Right. Um, and the fact that it, it kind of sometimes makes Larson a bit abrasive and, oh, and unlikable. And it doesn't back away from that. And Manic. It's in, yeah, it's very interesting, too, that, um, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda got success at a very young age. I mean, I think in the Heights had already won the Tony before his 30th birthday. Um, I I think he was in his 20s when that happened. Uh, Hamilton, of course, focuses on someone who feels like he has a finite amount of time and he needs to get everything done before that time. Yeah. It's just interesting to see him, you know, return to that subject again and again. And uh, I feel like he understood what he was writing to. He wasn't just doing this because this was a musical he liked. It was something... He believed, and I know he acted in it before Hamilton um, when it was on stage. And uh, yeah, it, it felt personal to him in a way. Yeah, I love the fact that he chose to direct this and not mm-hmm. in the Heights. <laughs> yeah, did you <laughs> see really in the Heights? Smart choice. I did. I was fine. It was, it, I had, I was unfamiliar with the Heights. I mean, I knew, I knew of its existence. I didn't okay. know a song in it. I knew nothing about it before finally seeing the film. And what was most interesting to me was seeing, oh, he'd gotten close to this before. I, you, the, the Hamilton stuff seems less revolutionary musically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> once, once you see in the Heights, but I, 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 and I, I liked in the Heights. I, I didn't love in the Heights. In the Heights is, I, is, is too long and, uh, the old fashioned to me in a bad sense in the direction. I didn't care for the, I, I didn't care for it as a film all that much. It might've worked better on stage for me, uh, but it's fine. I, I don't hate the film. I don't think it's a failure. I think it's bad, but it doesn't feel like a film that has a vision like this does. No, I, I definitely think I prefer this to it. Um, I'm very curious to revisit in the Heights, which I might do in the coming weeks. Um, 
because I do want to know how much of my love for it came with the fact that, oh, this is one of the first things I'm seeing proper in a theater that is a big emotional opening sure. night type thing. And um, but I don't know, because I've listened to that soundtrack a few times and I really like it. <laughs> You're in. You're but in. Yeah, I, I, yeah I, I could see them both being on my list. Um, as well as the next movie I'm going to talk about, which is, again, more Lin-Manuel Miranda. Um, I think the only film by his I haven't seen this year of his that I haven't seen this year is uh, Vivo, where he plays the monkey, um, which my <laughs> daughter loves, but I have not sat down to watch it. My wife has watched it with her. But uh, I took my kids to go see Encanto last week, which is the new Disney movie that he wrote all the songs for. Um, and yeah, this was just basically it was the day before Thanksgiving we were uh, we were trying to find a way to kill an afternoon. I was out of work for the afternoon. They were off school. My wife was getting the house ready. And I'm like, okay, this is a G-rated movie. Let's go do this and uh, get you out of the house for a few hours. And I may have liked this better than the kids. Um, so this is... <laughs> that happens. This is a movie that is about a uh, family in Colombia that has a magical house um it, it kind of sprung up in the middle of the jungle to protect the family everyone in the family has a special gift like special you know super strength or they can talk to the dog or they can heal people except for their teenage daughter uh, who's played by stephanie beatrice from brooklyn 99 and it shocked me because she does not sound like rosa and then i found out what stephanie beatrice real voice is like which is much squeakier um <laughs> But yeah, this is this is a movie about a girl who doesn't have powers growing up in a family of people who do, um, which is, you know, it's standard Disney fare. But I feel like Disney has very slowly been surpassing Pixar with their animated films. Um, Pixar used to be an event when it came out. You know, I, I would go see every Pixar movie in theaters back when they actually used to release Pixar movies in theaters. Um, and, and I was guaranteed they were going to be great. They were all going to be great. And they still do a lot I like. I thought Luca this year was fine. Um, I had Soul on my top 10 list last year. I liked Soul quite a bit. Uh, there was the Dragon one before that, which I have totally forgotten about. Um, but I remember not disliking but this is this is one of the first Disney movies in a long time to feel like, oh, they're doing what Pixar does just as good as Pixar does it. So this is, you know, ostensibly, you know, Pixar does the what if toys had feelings? What if cars had feelings? This is what if a house had feelings? Um, the Incredibles the, living in it. Yeah, like. with the Incredibles okay. living in it. Okay. Um, but it, it goes a little bit further because it goes beyond that to delve into the insecurities that the people who look strong have and the fears they have and how in families that vulnerability can make you stronger or you can put up walls to avoid it and it can ruin things. And there's of course a, you know, a big adventure they have to go on. John Leguizamo shows up as a mysterious member of the family. And it's, it's a movie about being okay with yourself the way you are. If you, uh, you know, if, if you don't feel as special, you can, st- and, and that's a typical kid movie thing, but it works really well here. It's about understanding that the people who look like they have it all together sometimes need a shoulder to cry on. Um, Lin-Manuel Miranda's songs are, they're so much fun. Um, I love, I love his songwriting, even though he has a style that is 
really familiar once you pick out his stuff. Um, I, I love just how many words he can cram into a sentence, big words that he just shoves in there just to kind of show off. And, <laughs> and he does, he has several really fun numbers where they're just so like verbose and, and funny to watch. Uh, it's a really funny movie. I think it's one of the Disney movies, uh, one of the few Disney movies in the last few years, just to be extremely colorful. Right. So it is a gorgeous lush film to watch. Um, my kids loved it. They were kind of crying at the end. Um, I, I think it got a little dusty for me too. And yeah, I, I like this. I think it was the most enjoyable thing they've done since Moana. Um, I, I really like this one. It, okay. So I'm just trying to, I, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not mocking. I truly mm-hmm. want to, I, I want to, I want to get, uh, I would like you to rank Moana, Soul, and this. If you can. Okay. It's a childish critics game. I, I yes, don't yes. do it if you don't want to, but I, I, you're willing to reach back to that. And I would have thought that you liked soul better than Moana. You know, because I'm compartmentalizing there okay. and I'm putting soul as a Pixar movie. Oh, you're right. You're right. You were. Yes. Very yep. much so. Yes. You're right. And Absolutely. I will be fair. It is that I think it is the best Pixar movie since Moana, but I can't really think of what became between Moana and this from Disney. There might've been a Wreck-It Ralph in there. Um, yeah, there might have been. <laughs> might have been a Wreck-It Ralph. Uh, I know there was another Frozen. So, so it might be grading on a little curve. I, I would definitely say, I think Soul is a more interesting, you know, it's the more grown-up movie. It, it's the more in-depth movie, but this was the most fun. I, I, this was, I, I really miss going to Disney movies and laugh, laughing, you know, uh, Pixar movies feel like they're always going for the uh, tear ducts. Mm-hmm. And this this does that a little bit, but it doesn't overplay that. It's, it's fun. It's, it's a good little family movie. Um, it, and I think it's just really well told. And again, it, it, those songs carry a lot of weight too. I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I, I, I have, but I, I, I haven't seen it yet. Honestly, Chris, because my oldest, my youngest is now 19. I don't yep. need to, I don't go see these automatically anymore. You're at the perfect age to be, you, you know, I, 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 I remember, you know, when my kids were the age your kids are now, I loved to write about these movies. <laughs> I loved to write about mm-hmm. what Disney and Pixar were doing, not just because Pixar was in its ascendancy beyond all belief, but because even the bad ones were worth writing about why they were bad. Yeah. Uh, and so I, 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 I should put my toes back in the water and watch this. Having, having been remarkably underwhelmed by Moana, which is one of the few I've gotten to and I was, that I, I was bored with halfway through <laughs> but but i'm i am i i would like to check this out especially especially with your approbation about it see it it it, it looks like a very enjoyable piece of work yeah it's it's fun uh, it, it is funny though like we would do uh with detroit film critics society they always do the animated feature and that was always the pain in the butt one to to come up with choices for because even with kids i wasn't sitting through abominable you know i, I wasn't right you know, right. it, it, it's usually got to be something that piques my interest. I, I'm, I'm, I have seen a Minions movie or two, and <laughs> I, you know, not happy about that. But uh, it happens. Yeah. It Disney, happens. Disney's usually one where I'll say I'll give it a chance, and uh, Encanto's <laughs> good. It's it's pleasantly surprising. I I really enjoyed it. Good. So why don't you take us home with your last pick of the day, which is one I am extremely curious about. Adam McKay's new film, Don't Look Up, is in theaters today. 
uh, for a couple of weeks until it's on Netflix Christmas Eve. Uh, Chris, I have a line that I don't know if I've ever used it on the show. I say it every few years. Something happens. If I see a movie in, say, March or April or February that I think is really great, I'll say, okay, I might see a better film this year, but I won't see five. Mm -hmm. I walked out of this movie. My first thought was it's 2021 and I might see a better film this decade, but I won't see five. (laughs) I I think don't look up is, uh, is remarkable. And for all, for all sorts of reasons, and I'll talk about the reason uh, that I like best first, and that is to watch the progression of Adam McKay, uh, which who we've talked about before on the show numerous times. I don't know anybody that's gone from making uh, what for my money is one of the worst comedies I have ever suffered through in a movie theater. One of the most blindly crass, obnoxious, just made for all the wrong reasons, pieces of crap I've ever sat through. Anchorman 2. Oh, okay. Uh, to, okay. Go on, to go on to make, to completely overhaul, to put all of that behind him, uh, to put, you know, everything that was, and, and there is lots of good in other anime game films. I, 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 please understand, I just really, really, really hated Anchorman 2. Uh, you know, to follow it up with the big short Vice and now Don't Look Up, I can't think of anybody who has so uh so grown as an artist and i am not being sarcastic when i use that that, that phrase uh who has be- and 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 with this film specifically which is about two astronomers from michigan state who discover a comet uh that is headed directly for earth and will wipe out the planet in about six months that's the setup that's the first scene of the movie big short is spectacular and his whole goal with the big short he said was what if our entertainment told us stuff we really needed to know and uh, that is an admirable premise to start from. And he followed that up with Vice, which, while I don't think works as well as The Big Short, I think it's very good. And I think it's one of the angriest <laughs> movies that's ever been put out by Hollywood. Vice is a punk rock film <laughs> as, as has ever been made. Uh, I, I, I like it for that reason. I like its ballsiness. Uh, but now, and what's great about this is He's stopped trying to uh, to tell us things we need to know, and he's showing us how we are. Don't look up is I, I can only speak in hyperbole, Chris. It's one of the greatest satires ever made. It is hmm. Doctor Strange Love level satire. It is uh, Tropic Thunder level satire. It is it absolutely takes this premise of okay. If everybody knows the world is going to end in six months, how does our world culture right now react to that? And boy, he sees it clear <laughs> and it ain't pretty. <laughs> it is, it is horrifying. Uh, the premise, how this premise, how he runs with this premise. And at the same time, you don't stop laughing. And the grand achievement is he not only keeps the comedy and the horror together, uh, not allowing one to sort of overtake the other, but the the grand accomplishment is for all of its anger and all of its cynicism, it ends, and I am not talking about the post-credit sequence, <laughs> it ends on a note where it is actually still sad. It's not above you. This is film, I, I've read, the reviews are starting to come in now and I'm surprised how divisive this film seems to be. Uh, there are people who think this one was incredibly smug, and I think they are missing the point entirely if they mm. think this movie is smug. This film hurts in a way that uh, The Big Short and Vice didn't. 
and it's funnier than both of those movies at the same time. That's a remarkable accomplishment. McKay has managed to be the most political filmmaker in Hollywood (laughs) and the funniest. I don't know how he's managed to pull that off, uh, but he has. And if anyone's not paying attention, if anybody is the kind of person who dismisses comedy as, as something lesser uh, in, in, in a filmmaker's work, or if that is, if that is their main mode of expression, uh, you're, you're just missing out on one of the brightest and best and smartest talents we have going right now. This is a hell of a movie, Chris. I, I cannot, I cannot recommend this movie enough. I am so curious and so excited about this one. Um, I, I was curious before, cause I like Adam McKay. Um, I, we kind of differ on his Will Ferrell collaborations. I love most of them. I'm not an Anchorman 2 fan. Um, I don't think it's the worst thing I've ever seen, but it, it it's rough. Um, but I like I, I like his projects with uh, Will Ferrell. I love Step Brothers. It is maybe my Step favorite crowd together. Uh, I love Anchorman. I love Talladega Nights. Um, but he's been making that progression throughout his career because while it's not my favorite of his movies, I think maybe his best of the Will Ferrell comedies is The Other Guys, yes. which is a really like on the surface it's you know the silly will ferrell cop movie but it is a really angry little movie oh yeah Um, and and it's it's smart and it kind of hinted that this is the direction he's gonna go i really liked um big short uh i think it was on my top 10 list the year it came out i I really like that one i never made it around device i don't know why i made around device oh i didn't check it out I, I, I need to because I was always upset for something angry about the Bush administration. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I just, I, I think, yeah, for whatever reason, I never made it around to that. Um, so I've been really interested in this. I like the idea. I love the cast. Um, the trailers have been kind of hit and miss, but I think satire is a hard thing to distill into a two minute trailer. Yes. Um, so when you texted me, I had known you had seen this. When you texted me that you thought it was one of the best of the decade, I was interested. Then I started to see the reviews coming in. Like you said, they are all over the map. Like, yeah. There are people who love this movie. Um, I know Detroit Film Critics nominated it for several awards. Um, and then there are reviews that I, I flat out at Slash Film. I read today the worst movie of the year. And just a, a lot of you saying what you're saying, that it is smug. And I do think, I think McKay can trend that way. So that's been kind of my fears. Is it going to be smug? Is it funny? Is it both? And I really am not going to know till I see this. And I, yeah. if I didn't have plans to see another movie this weekend, I would be running out to a theater to see it this weekend. Um, but knowing it'll be on Netflix uh, kind of makes me happy to know I'm going to see it one way or the other. I feel confident knowing you as well as I do that there's no way you won't like this. Okay. There's okay. no way you won't at least like this. And you might outright love it as much as I do, but I can't imagine you not liking this. It's I'm, really good. And I'm, I am not talking about a lot of things I really like about it <laughs> because I, I, I'm trying to remain as spoiler free as I can. With this. I want people to enjoy uh, how, how really beautifully deep, all with one grand exception of these characters are <laughs> the, the, I mean the ones that aren't are the ones where it takes its hardest pot shots 
Uh, and you understand why, and that's all McKay. You can you can feel why these characters aren't given shading that the other characters are. Uh, and if you find that smug, well, that's your problem. <laughs> he says smugly. <laughs> I I'm really looking forward to this. I yeah, it, it's really high on my must see list, and I will be seeing it before I put any list together this year. It's another um, great DiCaprio performance that's going to go oh, uh, under under uh, under lauded. It's it's he's he's fabulous. That when you think about what that character is, what he's doing with that character is really good. Oh, and so does, there's there's so many ways to overplay what he and what Jennifer Lawrence are asked to do in the movie, and they keep those two pretty grounded, really okay. grounded, and they let other people around it be bigger. And it really works. I, 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 I marvel at the film. I think it's, I think it's honestly, I think it's one of the greatest satires Hollywood has ever produced. Uh, it's the kind of movie that doesn't get made much anymore. And has never been made much. I don't want to say it hasn't made much anymore. It's, it doesn't get made much. This, this level of social insight doesn't, doesn't happen. And it really doesn't happen as a satire. It's comedy this strong. I, I think it's, a, I think it's an amazing piece of work. I can't wait to see it. And if I like it, it might finally convince me to uh, pull the trigger on Succession, which uh, has been sitting in my HBO queue. And really just the idea of watching a show about rich white jerks, not very appealing to me right now. Um, But, but I know I eventually got to get around to that. It's, 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 it's it's pretty good. I, I like the show. So that brings us to the end of this episode, which is part one of our What We're Watching uh, series. We're going to be back in two weeks right before Christmas with our conclusion to this, which is going to tackle four more uh, movies. And in the meantime, Perry, where can people find you? You can find me at Perry Loves Film on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook. You can hear me every Friday morning on the Lucy and Lance show on WLBY in Ann Arbor. And uh, man... I'm surprised you just, I'm probably, you, you, if you hear just giant snoring sounds, it's probably because I've just passed out in the chair in front of my TV and haven't gotten to my breathing machine to go to sleep watching so many movies. <laughs> you can find me at criticisms.com or nope, I'm sorry. You can find me at criticisms.substack.com. That is my newsletter. I put it out about three times a week, and there's some fun stuff going on there. Um, In addition to new releases, I do a Friday franchise rewatch, where right now I am going through the Matrix movies. I just published a massive article about Die Hard that I, I really liked. And I'm going through adaptations of A Christmas Carol as well. So December's being a lot of fun there. A lot of good stuff to come out in January. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Mere Christianity. And you can find me here in two weeks when we are back to do our year-end wrap-up. We'll see you then. <laughs>